we're live. <laughs> Nicole, <laughs> how are you feeling? <laughs> so overwhelmed. You need to take me seriously. I'm getting my counseling degree. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it does. Welcome to the Bloody Babbles podcast. <laughs> I just want to make sure you're prepared for this because we're going to get dark. This is Kelly. And this I'm, is Kelly. That's Kelly. I'm Kelly. She's Kelly. I'm Nicole. Nicole's got issues. I'm a hot damn mess. <laughs> It's okay, I'm here. I'm getting my counseling. She's I'm getting her counseling. Gurdy. It's fine. We're it's here. fine. We're here. We're here. We're in a basement. We have no clue what we're Talking doing. Talking about bloody babbling bullshit. <laughs> I'm going to really, really focus on not cussing ever. So that I don't get fired. Because she's a teacher. So I don't get fired. In case you didn't catch job. that. Uh, I apologize for the noise. It's a lie. It's a facade. It's a facade. But sometimes I can come up with creative sayings. You so know. enjoy that. <laughs> can come up with creative sayings. You so know. enjoy that. <laughs> so uh, what are we going to be doing with this? Uh, are, are we going to talk about how we know each other? We should tell them how we, we know each other. We should tell each other. So we should we we know it. We should tell. I them. don't even think we like officially met. We just kind of were in the same place at the same time. I always knew who you were. You, same. I and I watched your brother play basketball when I was young. We grew up in the same place. Yeah. We knew who each other were, but we're many years apart. She's she could be my child. Had I had a child the minute I started bleeding out of her orifices, Dear as God. a woman does. Um. It. You know what. <laughs> I mean, we're going to be really honest with this thing, so we're going to have to just say it like it is. Yeah. Uh, also, I teach that as well. So yeah. if you ever want to talk about puberty oh, or periods, Coming cycles, soon to a podcast near you, period talk with Kelly and Nicole. Yeah. I love it when little sixth grade boys try to ask questions or, or make fun of the fact that girls have periods and then we can talk about them and their life. You hear dreams. that, nephew, who's no longer a sixth grader? Shout out to you. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> So anyway, we know each other, and then I think our most memorable moment was just when my brother tried to kill you at a softball game. tried to kill me. <laughs> Shout uh, out to you, Vince! You know, I honestly was just trying to be tough. I wasn't even mad at him. You no, know, wasn't he bad. wasn't He wasn't angry in the moment, nor did he feel bad, because, you know, he just wanted me to drop the ball. Yeah. Guess what I didn't do? She didn't drop that softball. Oof. If you don't understand, my brother was on first. She was playing second. My brother just batted, and he's like, "Oh, she's holding that ball. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go after her." He absolutely destroyed me. Yeah, and he shoulder checked the hell out of her while tackling her at the same time. But she, he was out. You know what I did? And he got malicious intent. And I stood up, and I acted like I wasn't in excruciating pain. I think I may have to call it malicious intent now. But screw having the who we're gonna talk about, what we're talking about. Oh my god! Malicious I love intent. The malicious intent. Malicious intent. Always featuring. The serial killer I'm going to tell you about. Because this is going to be mostly a true crime podcast. Did you just change the name of our podcast no. to Malicious Intent? Or it's the episode? That's the, the episode name. Not it's the episode no, name. No, we are Bloody Babbles. I'm the bloody. Kelly's going to babble. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. My mother's told me my whole life I talk too much. Um, I'm that person not... in the grocery store that you see coming. And you run the opposite direction and hope they didn't see you. I mean, I don't feel like I'm that annoying. I mean, the gist of this podcast is going to be you and me and our obsession with serial killers, murder, and terrible things. Because we can't say we were inspired. Why I have to already edit something out was 
the we can shout out their podcast. Ah, uh, Morbid. Morbid is by far Morbid my favorite thing ever. Matter of fact, who got you started on Morbid? Nicole? You. I did got me. So. You basically you got me started on podcasts. I'm in my car listening to these wonderful ladies cracking my shit up. Can't wait to. And the whole time I'm like, my God, I think Nicole could be their triplet. Like she could be the third one. I thought they were sisters at that time, which they basically are. Yes. Um. Well, people are probably even thinking about that of us, just, but we're not even related. Well, I just saw Lizzie Borden, and I knew about, like, an axe, and that seemed exciting. So I jumped in on not the first episode uh, and listened to them, cracked up forever, and I was like, i got to go through all of these, and then I just mentioned it to you, and you... And I listened to Jeffrey Dahmer, because he... That's my... That's obsessed. my dude. Obsessed. Yes, I'm literally all caught up. How can that man be your dude? He's my dude, but I wouldn't have been his dude, because I don't got the right parts. Oh, Lord almighty. So. I don't want anyone to drill into my head and pour oh, acid that's in. Like, that's like the most iconic. I don't even want to say Did iconic. Did you just call it iconic? I said iconic. I'm going you know to be the, the most prolific. I'm going to be the one that's like, See? these people yeah. are horrific people. people. Do not forget people. that. People. Kelly said she's going to be like, you're going to do all this research and I'm going to be just there. No, she's the voice of reason because oh. um, I am a trash goblin and it's fine. I love it. <laughs> trash goblin. I want that on the t-shirt. <laughs> it's We'll get there one day. Okay. Yours can say trash goblin and mine can say voice of reason. I'll stay proper because I am proper. She's, she's, she's fucking lying. I'll cuss. <laughs> I'm not afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you telling us about today, Nicole? Okay. This wonderful... There's actually two of them, but I, I focused in on one because we are birthday twins. And it's Kenneth Bianchi. She gets real excited Have you about heard the, the Hillside Stranglers? Deal. You know what it reminds me of? Joey Tribbiani from oh, Friends man. and Twins. Oh, man. You and your birthday twin stuff. Birthday twins. Doesn't I think I literally wrote in my you. notes somewhere, hashtag, yep, it's right there. There's oh, a hashtag man. in there, and we've got it. I'll plug that at the end. <laughs> <laughs> that we have, we're, we're, we're live and in stereo, right here in your ear meat. This is what makes it babbles, because I is... will not keep you on a straight path. Good luck. I couldn't walk a straight line sober. This is why hate us, because I can't stop talking. I'm going to oh. be quiet now. I'm going to let you tell your story. I don't want to sound too scripted, because if you guys could see my notebook, maybe I'll end up posting it on Instagram, because we got one of those. Um, I keep looking at my phone as if it's a person that can hear me, because eventually, eventually it'll have listeners on the other side. followers. Love you guys. You guys are amazing. You're Thank the you best. Thank you for following us when Thanks, guys. we are not successful, nor interesting yet. <laughs> Yeah, and it's fine. very likely will not be. But yeah, the hillside stranglers. Ooh. I'm gonna take you back in time. So I le- Okay, so Kenneth. Uh, oh no, Alessio. Alessio. No, you, someone else said it. Do you go to pronounce.com or whatever? Alessio. 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 Whatever. Kenneth Bianchi was born May twenty second, nineteen fifty one. Making us exactly 42 years apart in age. Not twins. We're not twins, but we have the same birthday, and that's why I was really excited when I looked up and found a serial killer with the same birthday as me. We looked up for Kelly, and she does not. No one, no No bad people were born on my birthday. That's why I'm the voice of reason. Yes. Or you're going to be the first. Whatever. (laughs) He was born in Rochester, New York, and his... As most serial killers, you know, he starts off, his mom was an alcoholic prostitute, and she put him up for adoption when he was two weeks old. Mothers. <laughs> They're the best. They're always prostitutes. 
which, you know, really shapes him as a child. But he's adopted by Francis and Nicholas Bianchi. See, his dad's even named... No. Mm -hmm. Yep. Nicholas. My name's Nicole. See, we're just connected. It's there crazy. is a connection. It's probably not a good one. <laughs> um, okay, so later on, he, the guy he ends up killing with is named Angelo Buono. Bono? Buono. Bono? No, we need Angelo. I literally... I before. did. I did. But Do you know how to make a little pronunciation key? Well, I, I have B on key right up here. Well, there. Say it. <laughs> I'm pretty... Maybe. And I've listened oh, to other so podcasts. use your pronunciation keys. Yeah, oh. I am the pronunciation key. <laughs> yup. Angela Bono. <laughs> I know that's not right. <laughs> Bono. It's like Bono. Like, yep. Babbles. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Enjoy <laughs> this, guys. Um, yep. Kenneth was uh, Francis and Nicholas's only kid. At a very... Oh my god, this is stressing me out. <laughs> At a young age, Kenneth would lie. And, like, it doesn't stop. Like, he's just a good liar. He's a compulsive liar. He lies about everything. Um, at age three, he was taken to see a doctor for lack of sleeping and bedwetting. That was one thing that I learned. Another shout-out to another awesome podcast was Last Podcast on the Left. They covered him in three parts, and it was... That they were great. Like, it was crazy. But I didn't know about the bedwetting, because when I did all my research, I did his early life last. Because that's what you do. But, uh, yeah, he was a bedwetter. And there was a direct quote from the doctor that said "Mother, need, his mother needs help, which was his adoptive mother, Frances. Oh, God. So I'm like, he's so literally... not the prostitute. He's just... Not the prostitute, but the adoptive mom. He's screwed. He was screwed from the beginning. What do they say? It's like McDonald's, like triangle or something. There's like three different things for serial killers. If they have one of them, they're going to end up being a serial killer more than likely. Never heard that before. Yeah. I learned that on McDonald's. another shout out, Serial Trailers Podcast. Because <laughs> that's all rice. I do with my life. <sighs> yes. Okay, as he goes through childhood, he experiences more doctor visits for his urinal dribbling. <laughs> Just made me giggle when I wrote that. <laughs> and um, then he started having seizures. Age eight, he was hospitalized for mental issues, which apparently just, you know, he's just on it. God, no, Dribbles in his pants. Dribbling wing in my <laughs> Drip, drip, drip. Oh, man, if I could figure out how to do sound little bites. Boop, boop. <laughs> it's fine. He's just At a eight, leaky tot. He's a leaky. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, that's great. At age nine, his mother made him wear pads like what we wear for our periods because he continued peeing oh his pants. Oh my god, why, why not like diapers? Right? Or pull-ups. Like, they make them big enough. Or even depends. I don't know. That's She made him wear pads. Well, she had issues. Yeah, she does. Um, he was then sent to De DePaul Psychiatric Clinic for, for involuntary urination. Uh, his... Oh, he had like nervous tics. I can't read my own handwriting. As we said, I can't, I wear contacts and I can't see it on my left eye properly today. So that's cool. Um, absenteeism and behavior issues. He received a cytoscopy. Okay, I, it's, I don't know. Cystoscopy. Cytoscopy? Cystoscopy? I don't know. I literally looked that up. It's a procedure Note to... to self. Nicole will get these words down. In future episodes. No, I won't. I can I can spell like a mofo. I was a spelling champion. This is why you not pronunciation. Battle. This is why you're the spelling <laughs> announcer now and not me. <laughs> the procedure was to examine the lining of your bladder, and um, then he also had to have a retrograde pileogram. P 
Kylo Graham. Yep. Which I looked these up because I was I found it fascinating because I didn't know what they were. Your logic procedure where doctor injects radio contrast agent into the ure ureter. Urethra? No, it's like ureter, ureter, hmm. something inside your penis, in order to visualize the ureter and kidney with a fluoroscopy or radiography. I'm not a doctor. Please Do don't do yell this? at me. It seems like Marie Curie kind of thing. That yeah, should... it's wild. Um, okay, what does that say? I don't know. He had x-rays done and just a, whole, just a whole bunch of procedures done at, what is what did I say, he was nine years old. Okay. So then, moving on to age 11, he's moved schools t uh, two different times due to him not getting along with his teachers. <laughs> Are he you needed, laughing at me? He, he would have needed you as a teacher. I, he would have been fine. I would have saved Granted, him. You weren't even... All these people would be alive today. Yep. <laughs> he killed a lot. I think there was Great. 13. 13. Yeah, we'll get we'll get there. We're just talking about... We're just talking about when he was a wee little lad. Wee get little it? lad. Wee wee. Oh, I wee wee. It's wee all wee. about urine and urination. <laughs> it's fine. My dad never um, says, go pee. He's always like, did you urinate? I freaking love it. <laughs> okay, yeah. Move teachers a bunch. Move teachers a bunch. Move schools two times. His mother felt the teachers made him nervous. Um, it was supposedly tested that at 11 years old, his IQ was 116, which I think that's pretty high for an 11-year-old. Because I think, like, an average is, like, between 95 and 100. Don't quote me on that. Don't, don't yell at me. I feel like um, that's low, but I might be wrong. Maybe. His mom claimed he was lazy, unattentive, and angry. Teachers claimed he didn't work at his full potential. Uh, moving on to age 12, he committed his first heinous act. Oh, this is this is kind of... It's not, like, graphic, but it is. but it is Because pulled You're down the pants of a six-year-old girl. What? I literally drew a face, like, with its teeth gritted. Like, yeah, he just pulled... He wanted to do it. He's on the high end, IQ-wise. Yeah, I thought right. so. I yeah apologize. there we go Kelly the fact checker, um but yeah pulled the pants down he wanted to do it just, I'm gonna pull the pants down on a six year old girl at uh, twelve years old he did that and he yeah uh, that was where he stopped though for that age yeah I mean uh, there were a lot of junior high boys that would droop us girls were they all serial killers probably probably were they were you guys six years old when they, they called me flowers time? for like two years because I had flower underwear on Jesus. Well, now I know when I call you from there. I'm out. Abused. Thirteen. At thirteen, his father, his or uh, yeah, his father died of pneumonia, and apparently Kenneth showed no emotion for the loss, and he refused to cry. Uh, while in high school, he was clean cut, uh, with dating a whole bunch of. This kind of jumps around. Like it was kind of literally like a timeline. So I'm sorry if this is all like sounds very scheduled, but I didn't want to be wrong. Uh, high school, he. He was clean-cut, dating frequently, and respected his elders. He even joined a motorcycle club and got a tattoo that said Satan's own motorcycle club. Fun facts. Because Satan is everything, as we talked about being Catholic. Hey so moving on to when he was 18 years old. <laughs> proposes to a woman named Susan Moore. But she, <laughs> I put in parentheses, she's obviously not dumb. And she re rejected his proposal because he, he didn't have his life together. I remember reading about her. And I wanted to find her last name. I'm like, it just said Susan on, like, three websites. And I'm like, Susan who? She doesn't want people to know. She doesn't want to be associated with this monster. Susan Moore. 
So sorry. Then he goes on to have a different girlfriend, and it's claimed, I I couldn't find who this girlfriend was, um, that he wrote a letter to said girlfriend saying he was suspected in the alphabet murders, and he had in fact killed a man. There's nothing to back that up. This is just some letter he supposedly wrote. Um, she thought it was a sick joke, the girlfriend, who I don't know who, what her name is. I tried to find it. I failed. And didn't take oh, the yeah. confession seriously. And the letter's exact dates uh, couldn't be confirmed because source, sources listed it as either 1969 when he sent it or 1972. I graduate. My mom graduated in 1969. It's probably that year. She went to the moon in 1969. She's 69 right now. Wicked. Insert penis joke. Ha <laughs> ha 69. Anyways. What's, what's white and 12 inches? <laughs> what's white and 12 inches? I feel like I should know this, but I don't know. Nothing. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> this is your house, but you need to go. <laughs> there need to be more white men. Later jokes. on, um, at this, still 18 years old, he convinces this lady, oh, the sweet girl, Brenda Beck, to marry him. But she didn't meet his requirements for a wife, and he cheated on her the entire marriage, which only lasted... self-respect, Brenda. Was her name Brenda? Brenda. Brenda. Of course her name's Brenda. They were only married... You know what? I have an aunt who I don't speak to. (laughs) Her name's Brenda. Of course it's Brenda. I hope this reaches (laughs) your ears, because barf! Anyways, they were only married for eight months, but she had been his high school sweetheart. But yeah, she was like, he's like, mm, I'm going to marry you, but I'm going to go sleep with everyone else. Bye. Poor. I was like, I wonder how she feels knowing she was married to a future serial killer. I'm like, I bet that would be quite the conversation. And then he enrolled into college in hopes of becoming a police officer. Oh, Wee-hoo! It's great. Okay. Got notes here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, oh yeah, uh, that was one of the things when he was, they talked about seizures when he was a little kid, a little kid, I don't know why I said it like that, pa- that he was, kid. uh, diagnosed with passive aggressive disorder, and I'm like, I didn't even know that was a disease. I didn't either, I thought people were just mostly I know. passive aggressive. And it was like, I may suffer. It is how I deal with everything. I was like, I may suffer from that and hashtag, other people Kenneth, it. my Gemini twin, there's the hashtag for you. Boom, Aww. there it is. Yeah, and then his mom had to work to support him, and she just didn't seem like she was just super imp- impressed with his existence. Um, Why do you birth children you're not going to take care of? She didn't. She, he's adopted. So she didn't birth him. Oh, she, she, this is the mom who was a mess? Yeah. So it was the prostitute, and then she's like, so not only did she not birth, but she went out of her way to buy him. Yeah. Yes. Dumbass. Yes. What a dumbass. So, eventually... Let me not be able to segue this very well. Um, oh, okay. He eventually goes and... Meet, hook, not hooks up, but, like, moves in with his cousin, Angelo. Oh, no. I'm sticking with it. Shitbag number two is what I wrote. Sonny's brother? <laughs> no, it's spelled different. Oh. Yeah, it's spelled B-U-O-N-O. Buono? That's why I was... Buono? 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 Bruno Bono. Um, Angelo is his first name. Angelo. Oh, man. I didn't write these. They had... Yeah. So, they start deciding, let's go into business together. And what better job than being pimps? <laughs> Where did the police thing go? Well, that's... 
he couldn't get a job as a police officer, and he ended up, like... Because of his passive aggressiveness? Probably. Couldn't become a police officer, but he did get a job as a security officer. a lot of passive aggressive police officers. Security um. officer, and then they were pimps, um, <laughs> which they're pimped them, as I literally wrote that down. They're pimped them. Pimped them, escalated to murder. Proud Los Angeles streets had fake badges and would convince women and girls to get into Angelo's car, drive them to Angelo's upholstery shop to torture, rape, and eventually murder the victims. Lovely. Yeah. So, that's... Yeah, their victims... Uh, their victims ranged in age from as young as 12... Oh. Up to 28 years old. I, I wrote in here, cute tears. I mean, they're really... I'm gonna... I really I, shouldn't be that way. You yeah. know, like, a 12-year-old isn't necessarily any better than a 28-year-old. Like, people are people. Yeah. They're all wonderful. Yeah. But, but I... My girls are little. Yeah. I don't like it. We're moms. <laughs> this is... This is gonna get... I'll... I'll... Uh, if it gets real nitty-gritty, I'll... I'll say warning, or I'll let you guys know. But, yeah, they plot... They plot... They plot... Just say, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> Be ready. <laughs> they posed as policemen, and they began with prostitutes, which was a typical target... Um, they're easy because they as like a lot of podcasts will say or people in general they they were less dead they were easier targets because people would probably not search for them so which don't be a prostitute ladies. don't be a prostitute well this is the 70s like it was a wild time well it still happens and it's not even their fault so it's not that easy just to say don't be a prostitute when you have nothing else yeah because or I'll or, stop I was being judgmental I no, apologize I, it happens don't don't come at us please um, us. <laughs> us. I'm so a part of this now. Tell me. Um, no. <laughs> um, well, yeah, they started up with prostitutes and moved up to middle class girls and women. Um, the b- bodies would get left mostly on hillsides, which ends up. We're middle class. Yep. But I'm too old. Well, for them, they are, but. Dodge that bullet. But. Yeah, they, oh, I'm not going to tell you how they, well, mostly it was stranglers, because obviously their names, but some of the things they did to these people, I'm like, whoo, whoo, so we're going to jump right but into. But I want to know the details, that's. Oh, I get, I'm overly. Are you me? I'm going to, yeah. I I'll like tell details. You overly detailed. So we're going to jump into our first victim. Is it bad? Um, it's rough. It's coming. Yeah. I got her age wrong, because I ended up had multiple sources and I will list them or I'll either end up recording I don't know how I'm going to do that but I will source my I will source my sources yep sure I am so on October 18th 1977 <laughs> I when I was writing these I got mad so I wrote <laughs> the bitches claimed their first victim I'm sorry I gotta open another and it was it's fine we drink because we're adults it's a pop it's a soda pop. Week with my bad eyeball. But this girl is beautiful. Um, her name is, I even wrote, it was like she was breathtaking. Her name was Yolanda Washington. She was 19 years old at the time of her death, and she was she was a prostitute. Her little bit of her backstory about why she was their first um, uh, victim. Yolanda's friend, Deborah Noble, sold a trick list to Kenneth and Angelo because they were wanting to... They were pimps. They wanted to get a list of names of people that they could pimp their girls out to. Yes. She was beautiful. Uh, her eyes. Yes. List of men who frequented prostitutes, but the list was, as named, a trick. It was a phony list. Uh, Yolanda had mes- mentioned she worked on a very uh, popular 
uh, stretch of Sunset Boulevard. So the murderers, <laughs> I didn't even write their names because I'm like, they don't deserve it, found that, oh yeah, they found that the... Just call them the dickwads. Yeah, those fuck faces. Um, <laughs> Deb's list was phony, but they couldn't find her, so their rage was turned on to Yolanda because they knew where she was. And, I'm, and I even realized, like, can you imagine Deb's guilt, like, if it um. wasn't her, like, her friend? Okay, I gotta keep on track here. One source said her naked body was found on slopes of Forest Lawn Cemetery, um, the resting place of many movie stars, and another source said her body was found uh, near the Ventura Freeway. Okay, here it is. Well, it gets a little little graphic. It's coming. Her body was naked and cleaned by the killers to leave no clues, although it was said faint marks were visible around her neck, wrists, and ankles, potentially from a rope. She was posed in a lascivious... That is a big word. Lascivious position. I wrote I wrote how to pronounce it beside it. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Because I'm like, I don't know how to say that. Lascivious position. Beside like, it this time, not at the top of the opposite page. Right, exactly. But like, it was clear she was raped and had died by strangulation. A music store owner named Ronald Lemieux. I'm going I'm to assume that's how you say it. L-E-M-I-E-U-X. Lemieux. Mm-hmm. Was the last person to see her alive. Uh, he testified the two men flashed police badges in at Yolanda and pulled her off the street, handcuffed her, put her in the backseat of an unmarked car. That was their trademark to get their victims. And I was like, shit's about to get real Basically sad. Basically fake arrest. All right. This is, this, we're moving on to, this one's, this is a young, young girl. This one's sad. Um, not even two weeks later on Halloween, their first one was on October 18th, Halloween 1977, second victim was Judith Ann Miller. She was 15 years old. Uh, this poor girl had run away and become a sex worker to survive on the streets. 15. 15. Like, yes. On November 1st, if you hear me saying yes, she's showing me the pictures you of should, these people yeah. online. And you should put that picture I, I'm gonna. on yours. I've of got all a, of them. Is this, this must be chronological yeah. order. I believe death. so. Like, because this is... Okay. Yeah. November 1st, 1977, police were called to Alta Terrace Drive in La Crescenta, California, a neighborhood 12 miles north 12 Jesus. 12 miles north of downtown LA where Judith's body was found naked face up on a parkway in a middle-class neighborhood. She, her body was okay. I I I uh, say it. Like the homeowner homeowner Jesus covered her with a tarp so children wouldn't see her on their way to school. She was literally laying near this guy's yard. Just Her body was just out there in the open where everyone could see her. Like, 15. Nude. nude 15. Naked. I think all of their victims were left so naked. She was. And to run away from home and feel and like... And they cleaned them all. Correct? They, not as well as they did with Yolanda. They just deep cleaned her. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Uh, she had been found around 6 a.m., there were marks on her neck, wrist, and ankles, which almost all of them end up having that. She was bound and strangled, similar to Yolanda. Her body was dumped, indicating she was murdered elsewhere. A small, light-colored fluff had been found on her eyelid and was saved for forensics experts. Coroner's report showed she had been raped and sodomized. Oh. Whew. She said she was... Uh, she only I weighed... once, as a very young child, wanted to know what sodomy was. <gasps> That was a bad thing to find out as a young child. Yes. That's, I... Ugh. It might have scarred me for life. Yeah, she was said to have only weighed 90 pounds Aww. and appeared to be around 16 years old. 
And then she was finally identified. Judith was a former Hollywood High School student. She was last seen alive on October 31st, 1977, talking to a man driving a large two-tone sedan on Sunset Boulevard. Strangler said their bullshit story, I'm a cop, cuffed her, took her to Buono's upholstery shop on Colorado Boulevard in Glendale, where she'd meet her demise. Whew! Moving right into the next, because these guys wasted no freaking time killing people. How much time between? Um, Five days after Judith was discovered, these, these, uh, what did I say? These sick fucks took their next victim's life. November 6, 1977, um, Alyssa... Teresa Caston, um, she went by Lissa, was found near the Chevy Chase Country Club in Glendale. Lissa was a waitress and a professional dancer for the L.A. Knockers. She was she left her waitressing, waitressing job the night before her murder, so she wasn't even, like, a sex worker. They're just like, we're gonna kill to kill now. Stranglers followed her home, pulled her over on the street she lived on, presented the badge, and said they were detectives. She was handcuffed and said she was needed for questioning. Like Judas, she had marks on her neck, wrist, and ankles, and she was strangled brutally and brutally raped, but not sodomized. I was like, (laughs) yay. (laughs) Not really, but still. The picture isn't like a straight-on picture, so it's hard to... Yeah. Um, So, okay, this one was random. She wasn't a victim. The next little girl? This this wasn't a victim. She could have been, but um, at some point in early November, the two douche canoes... Love it. Approached 24-year-old Catherine Laurie Baker, daughter of actor Peter Laurie, famous for his role as a serial killer in the film, or in Fritz Lang's film, M. Ironic. With the intent to kidnap and kill her. Her saving grace was a photo of her sitting on her father's lap. When they got her identification, she was let go without incident. She didn't know who they were till the Stranglers were arrested, which she recalled being approached by them. So she was literally saved because they saw that she was like she was someone famous' daughter. Yeah. Like that'll be our demise. Oh, right? Goodness gracious. Please. So okay, all right, all right, get ready. This mm. is victims four and five. And four, she looked so cute. How old was she? Fourth and fifth victims were twelve-year-old Dolores oh. and Sapita, aka Dolly, you can tell and fourteen-year-old Sonia, Sonia uh, Marie Johnson. On Sunday, November 13th, 1977, which is my parents' wedding anniversary, (laughs) the two girls boarded a bus in front of Eagle Rock Plaza and headed home. They were last seen getting off the bus on York Boulevard and Avenue 46. They were approached by a two-tone sedan with two men inside. Uh, I put trigger by this because this is, this is, I, okay. Their bodies were found by a nine-year-old boy. Who had been treasure hunting in a trash heap on the hillside near Dodger Stadium on November twentieth, nineteen seventy seven? That poor boy is done. Yeah, that and they were there for a week, seven oh, days because wow. they were so kept on super decomposition. Yeah, their bodies were had started to decompose. Autopsy determined they were strangled and raped. Twelve, twelve and 12. fourteen, twelve. They're babies. Oh, my chest hurts. Um, even as I, like, I, I researched this, you know, a while ago, but whew, that one was, that was rough. Mm-hmm. So, but on the same day that Dolly and Sonia were found, November 20th, 1977, hikers found the naked body of 20-year-old Christina Weckler. 
a quiet honor student at the Art she Center College quiet. of she Design. Like a sweet little quiet. Yes. Of design, she was at Art College of Design, deemed by Detective Bob Grogan of LAPD to be, excuse me, a loving, serious young woman who would have had a bright future ahead of her. Her body was found on a hillside between Glendale and Eagle Rock. She had the traditional ligature marks on her wrist, ankles, and neck. She was found on her stomach. When she was rolled over, there were bruises on her breasts. Oh, boy. And blood oozed from her rectum. Sodomy. Sodomy. Unlike the other victims, there were two puncture marks on her arm, but not consistent with marks of a drug addict. It was later revealed she was injected with Windex. Oh. found the Windex in her body. You know, I've heard this. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that was one of the things. And no one has ever been able to say what the point of that was. It's just to torture them, I think. I feel like it would just... Just burn. Just burn, make you probably sick. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so the next victim. um, I didn't... On two different places, it said her name was Jane Evelyn King, or it was Evelyn Jane King. She looks like Princess Diana. Ah! Yes. Doesn't she? My mom loves her. She was discovered on November 23rd, so three days later, after they found the three bodies, uh, the two young girls, and then uh, Christina, uh, badly decomposed. She was an aspiring actress who had gone missing around November November 9th, so almost two weeks. Her body was found near the Los Los Feliz off-ramp of the Golden State Freeway. She was severely decomposed, which prevented determining if she had been raped or tortured. But, I think it's safe to but she had been strangled, strangled like the others. Her body was covered in maggots and had been estimated to have been there for two weeks. In response to her death, authorities created a task force initially... No. Yes. Initially composed... Oh, yeah. I, my, I wrote a side note. Initially composed of 30 officers from the LAPD, Sheriff's Department, and the Glendale Police Department to catch the predator who, they dub, who was dubbed the Hillside Strangler. They didn't know it was two of them. Moving on. And moving had on all up. the girls been left on a hillside? For the most, yeah. For the most part. That's why okay. they dubbed them the hillside strangler. Well, I mean, I just didn't know if it was a hillside a of some thing. Hillside of some sort, even okay. if it was just like a small hill. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so her body was discovered November 23rd. On November 29th, six days later, police found the body of 18-year-old Lauren Ray Wagner. She looks like Barbara Streisand. A business student who lived with her parents in San Fernando Valley in the hills around Los Angeles, Mount Washington. She had ligature marks on her ankles, wrists, and neck. There were also burn marks on her hands, indicating she 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 was tortured. These girls are beautiful. Oh, Lauren's parents had expected her to be... Oh, this this is the one. This one's rough. Okay. Lauren's parents had expected her to be home around midnight, and the next morning when they found her car parked across the street, her, her driver's door was open. Um, Lauren's father started questioning the neighbors. The woman whose house Lauren's car was parked in front of, Beulah Stouffer. Love it. Beulah. 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 Saw her abduction. Kind She's like my last name. I know. There you go. <laughs> if you want to start starting Kelly, there you go. Beulah. 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 But that's just, that's just the nosy neighbor. That whole Beulah. If you need to know, go oh ask Beulah. Go ask Beulah. Beulah's going to know. She's, she's peering out her windows, looking between the she's blinds. She's got nothing else mm. going on in the life. She's but just a little you. old lady. <laughs> she saw her abduction. 
Beulah, I can't say it any other way, just deal with it, (laughs) stated she saw Lauren pull over to the curb around 9 p.m. So her parents expected her home at midnight. She was home at 9. She looked like the most beautiful little thing. Two men pulled up to her, pulled their car up to hers. One man was tall and young, the other old and shorter with bushy hair. Kenneth was tall, Angela was the Mm -hmm. shorter guy, and he was older. Um, There was some kind of disagreement. One store stated that Lauren supposedly yelled, you won't get away with this, and she was pulled into the men's car. So she knew before. She wasn't even tricked into... Yeah, they were like, uh, yeah, you're not pulling me over for no reason. So, moving on... Oh, she was saying, you can't arrest me, basically. Yeah, you're not gonna get away with this. Like, just taking me off the street. Yeah, so that was November 29th, so... Okay, so a couple weeks goes by. December 14th, 1977. Knockout. This girl's 17. Body of 17-year-old sex worker Kimberly Diane Martin, which, um... She was found naked and showed signs of torture. Was found on a deserted lot near Los Angeles City Hall. That's kind of bold. Near wow. City Hall. That's bold. Yeah. I don't know if bold's the right word, but ugh. It is bold. Yeah, bold. Martin was a tall, blonde, beautiful girl who had recently joined a modeling agency called Climax. Wow. Which was a call girl service because she feared exposing herself on the streets with the strangler on the loose. Her death is wild because of how she, yeah, I put insert broken heart. The killers happened to place a call to her agency from a Hollywood public library payphone, and she was the call girl that was dispatched. So she literally joined this service to keep herself to safe. To keep herself away from what was happening. And she was the one who got that call. And she that was, was called to an move. apartment, to apartment 114 at 1950 Tamarind, I'm assuming that's how you say that road, which was a vacant apartment and had been broken into, and she was, she was killed, she was, uh, strangled there. So, was it broken into, just to put her in there? Yep. Mm-hmm. They just were able to get inside, but yeah. Called from a library, and... I think you almost tell that this is probably a model shot. Right. You know what I mean? Like a, like a headshot? Uh-huh. Ooh. Tenth and final confirmed victim in Los Angeles, um, was on February 17th, 1978, so a couple months went by. Almost exactly, because the last one just said before. She was um, young. A helicopter pilot spotted an orange Datsun abandoned off a cliff on the Los or the Angeles Crest Highway. Okay, right there. Um, police responded to the scene, found the body of the car's owner, 20-year-old Cindy Lee Hudspeth. Um, she was a student and a part-time waitress, and she was found in the trunk of her car. Her corpse, again, showed the ligature marks, and she had been raped and tortured. It appeared she had been strangled and put in, oh, put in the trunk of her car, which was then pushed off the cliff. Mm. She was Cindy was a gifted dancer, and she had won several dance contests, and she wanted to give lessons to help raise money for her to go to college. She worked at the Glendale Community College, answering phones at night. Between her apartment and the college, Cindy was kidnapped in the late afternoon. So she was, it was during the day. It stated Cindy lived across the street from another victim, Christina Weckler, even though the two women didn't know each other. Like, what are, like, that's, what are the odds? It is. It's just crazy. So, I have two stars because I had to do my little pink side notes here. So, um, while committing these murders, Bianchi still had aspirations to be a police officer and even applied to work on the police force. This, (laughs) I wrote fuckhead. (laughs) This fuckhead even went on police ride-alongs to help look for the hillside stranglers. He went he went with them to search for himself. 
I wish you guys could see Kelly's face. That's it's great. Ballsy bastard. Yeah. Like, yeah. He wrote it's, a long... It's not even, it's not even ballsy. I wrote just... that. I even... Oh my god, I wrote that. He, even, he wrote a long search for himself. Bold dude. <laughs> After committing their first ten murders, they, um, the two attempted an eleventh murder and failed. Bono... Uh, Bono? Lula. Yeah, that guy. Buono. Buono. That guy. Caught wind of Bianchi and him getting cozy with the police, and he blew a gasket. An argument so intense between the cousins um, had Angelo say he wanted to kill Bianchi if he didn't leave town. So Bianchi ended up leaving. So they, they found themselves. Yep. It was yep. the breakup of the band. Kind of like the Beatles. Ah! <laughs> he Yoko owned him. Bianchi left California for Bellingham, Washington, and he joined um, his then-girlfriend. Oh, and ta-da, he has a baby. Oh, great. Yeah. Let's put more of you in the world. <laughs> yep. Um, what was his girlfriend's name? This girlfriend, um, yeah, 1970, left 1975, went lived with in L.A., committed all the murders, and um, her name was Kelly. <laughs> her name was Kelly was. Boyd. And they, I think they had a son. I'm pretty sure I have notes about this somewhere. And, and it's even spelled the same way. Is it really? Yeah. With an I? That's with an so I. Kelly with an I. Kelly, yes. name Kelly with an I. Um, okay. Kenneth was, oh yeah, gifted liar, set up a son. Okay, so he, he goes to Bellingham to be with his, his girlfriend and child. Kelly. With Kelly. Present. like mine. Um. And he set up a psychology practice with a phony degree. You're gonna have to take that birth out of there. And then he ended up telling her that he had cancer. He can't. And he, okay, ah, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Whoa. So he would go. He would go to the hospital, and she would like go sit out in the car, pregnant, um, while he roamed the hall, the hospital. While he had these fake cancer treatments, I remember. Yeah, he would just go there, and she would sit out in the car, like. Yo, your sister had cancer. You know a chemo tramp. Tram, I wouldn't have sat in a car. Yeah. Uh, I chemo treatments go so I, long. I, I get angry with girls who have no respect for themselves. Like he yes. probably was like he just stay in the car. And she's like, yes, sir. Yep. I can't. Yep. He later then yeah tuned back up with blah 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 blah. blah. Oh, had a child. Oh. Hope that child is okay today. Well, now we're getting into. This is this is where I got a lot of my info about. The last two victims and what essentially um, causes them to get caught. Spoiler. They caught. Mm. Friday morning, January 12th, 1979. So their last murder was on February 17th, 78. So a year has gone by. Bellingham Police Department received info from security at uh, Western Washington University. Washington, Western, Univers Western Washington. Western Washington University. Okay. I wrote the Western above it because I forgot it. Oh. That two students were missing. Diane Wilder, age 27. <gasps> That's how old I am. And Karen Mandick, who was age 22. Wilder was a dance major and Mandick was majoring in business administration. And they had shared a rental house together. Um, Mandick also worked part-time at a Fred Meyer super shopping center to help pay for college on top of money she received from her parents. I got real detailed with this because I feel like it's all relevant. So, I feel like, I feel, I'm sorry if this sounds like I'm reading off, like, the internet, but I hand wrote all of this because I'm dedicated. Although it you was <laughs> supposed to be a secret, 
Mandic told co-workers and friends she and Wilder had been offered $100 each by Kenneth Bianchi to guard a residence in a secluded Edgemore neighborhood for two hours while the security alarm system was being repaired. It was on Bayside, <clears throat> excuse me, Bayside Road, um, beautiful, sprawling ranch-style house um, overlooking Chuckanut Bay. Chuckanut? That's what I wrote. <laughs> Chuckanut Bay. I don't know if that's right, but I love it. <laughs> Chucking it. The owner was recently retired Georgia Pacific Corporation executive William Catlow, who had been vacationing in Europe with his wife, Cleora. Ah, uh, that is such an interesting name. Cleora. Cleora. Because it sounds like Clitorora. <laughs> or she went there. I did. <laughs> Hi. I like to be, I have the mind of a 12-year-old boy. It's cool. <laughs> it's fine. Fine. I'm being raised by a three-year-old, so it's cool. On Thursday, <laughs> January 11th, 1979, Mandic left the Fred Meyer store for a long dinner break. Dinner break. I don't know. I can't read on. Break. Dinner break at approximately 7 p.m. and was to return around 9. <gasps> Surprise! <laughs> she didn't return. Her boss found her... She was very reliable, so he became super concerned. I think it's a he. Oh, well. At 11.30, so two, so she left at 7, at 11.30 p.m., so four and a half hours later, manager called Steve Hardwick, a friend of Mandix who worked security at the university, to see if he had heard or seen her. Mandix had told another friend that worked the security office, Bill Bryant, about the job from Kenneth. Ding, 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 ding. Bill had offered to go along. Damn, that he didn't. But Mandic turned him down. Hardwick and Bryant checked Mandic's house, the Bayside address, and other potential locations for the girls. Um, or her car, a green 1978 Mercury Bobcat two-door hatchback. <sighs> but found nothing. Huh. Police were then notified of the missing woman. Women. Because both of them were... I don't know where the other girl is. Hopefully I'll get to that. Uh, yep. Uh, police were contacted... Um, oh, contacted Whatcom Security to see if there was any info about the missing girls. That's the security company that Kenneth ended up working for who hired these girls to go guard this house. Which was all legit because it was, um, they were having a new alarm system put in. Stop sexting your boyfriend. <laughs> the owner, <laughs> uh, Randall Moa, called Bianchi who claimed he had been at the Whatcom County's <laughs> this is a lot. Whatcom? Whatcom County Sheriff's Office Reserve Unit Meeting and claimed he didn't know Karen Mandic. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, he... No. He... Okay, so these girls... He's in Washington now. Buono's still down in Los Angeles. Buono. Bono Hano. Betty what? Hanna? <laughs> <laughs> Betty Hanna <laughs> is, <laughs> Betty Hanna. <laughs> Banana Boat is still in California. That was so bad. Okay. <laughs> He doesn't know her. <laughs> Police contacted Gordon Scott, commander of the reserve unit, who said Bianchi had requested to be excused from that meeting. So he says, I'm at this meeting, but the guy's like, nah. Uh, he I asked to not be here. Mm-hmm. He's a liar. Yeah. Oh, that's you. I was uh, sending you the picture. Oh, okay. Cool, That cool, cool, cool. I appreciate the most. Got it. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Yep. 
Yep. Okay. Who said Bianchi? Yeah. Requested not to be up there. He claimed he had a class to teach for his employer. So he's just lying after lie. Like, this guy, like, he was obviously, like, helped. Okay. You we'll, we'll big, get fat liar. Well, he doesn't function well on his own. Clearly, one a teacher across the hallway yelled at Angelo Banana Cakes is the one who knew what the fuck banana he was cakes. doing. Banana <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying his last name anymore because it's Buono. stressing me out. Buono. <laughs> I don't know if that's how you say it. That's just how I Other people it. have said Bono in other episodes that I've listened to. But anyways, it's fine. Okay, so back, back, back. At 2.30 a.m., police spoke to Bianchi, who then admitted he didn't go to the meeting, but was driving alone in the country. <laughs> I put, so not suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't hey, be suspicious. Hey, he can have a booze cruise, and we do it all the time. For sure. Yep. By January 12th, 1979, there was still no sign of the girls. I was a month um, old. Oh, you was just a wee little. little bit you weren't even a month old. You no, were like a couple weeks old. I was like three weeks old. Yeah. Even, Not even three. No. No, this is... No, January 12th, 1979. You weren't Oh, even, wait, I wasn't born. You weren't even conceived yet. I can't do math. <laughs> but I teach kids. Like, yeah. Sixth born. grade teaches. They're the best. There was still no sign of the girls. <laughs> Police Chief Terry... Mangan, Mangan, Captain Dwayne Schneck, love it. Visited the girls' home and talked to their neighbors and friends. Mangan ordered a full-scale investigation. I don't know why that didn't happen from the beginning, but whatever. Ooh, I like this. Detectives Fred Nolte and Terry White were assigned. Yeah, that's exactly what went through my head. We're assigned to the case. The public was asked for any info on the girls in Mandex's vehicle, the the hatchback, green happiness thing. Yep. Detectives received permission from Catlow's family to search the house on Bayside Road, the one that they had this job at. Nothing was found out of the ordinary except wet footprints on the kitchen floor. At 4.30 p.m., Shirley Schlemmer, that's a name, who lived on Willow Road, spotted a green Mercury bobcat parked at the end of Willow Road and notified the police. Wah, wah, wah. God, the wet footprints. It's just like swamp thing. Swamp. Demons. Detectives rushed to the scene and was met with the bodies stuffed into the back seat. Robert Nudson, a Bellingham Police Evidence Technician, handled the scene. The bodies were removed from the car carefully and placed in clean white sheets to prevent the loss of any shred of evidence and were taken to St. Luke General Hospital. <sighs> Rough. Medical examiner Do- Dr. Robert Gibb conducted the autopsies and determined death by strangulation. The Mercury Bobcat was transported for forensic analysis, and the cul-de-sac where it was found was cordoned, cordoned, cordoned off to search for evidence. I feel like that's that doesn't sound right. Now I'm thinking of yes. chicken cordon bleu, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> while the car and the cul-de-sac were being searched, the Whatcom security dispatcher contacted Bianchi and told him to report to the security guard shack at the Port of Bellingham South Terminal. Dum dum. After Bianchi arrived, detectives took him into custody for questioning. A tip was received that, and there was a search around the guard shack, and they discovered Wilder's coat stuffed behind some pipes, only feet from where Bianchi had parked his company truck when he came to be interviewed. He literally had her jacket, and and it was like, I'm going to stuff it right here, and they'll never find it. Bitch, you dumb. I'm sorry. That was... Mm-mm. He needed his friend. He needed his, his cousin. One, yeah. His cousin was was he the one with the high IQ? Yeah. Well, no. Bianchi had the higher IQ, oh, but he. It wasn't but, like a high IQ move. No, but he. The, these are his first 
the only two murders he did on his own. By himself. Got just, it. Just wait. Just wait till you see a bunch of a douche nozzle this guy is. But anyways, even more so after murdering these beautiful humans. Anyways, during <laughs> questioning, his alibis were so contradictory that the detectives felt they found their murderer. Ding, 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 ding. Woo. But without an eyewitness or a full confession, I'm drooling, the case would rely almost entirely on circumstantial evidence, which, baby, you're going to get it all. Okay. Anyways, Saturday, January 13th. You're the, giving it up and we're not ready. Nope. The investigation intensified. Detective Nolte, noting Bianchi's California driver's license, contacted L.A. County Sheriff's Department to check his background. By happenstance, the call was referred to Detective Sergeant Frank Salerno, a member of the Hillside Strangler Task Force that had been investigating the murders of the... um, I have 13 women, but that's not right. There was only 10. Since October... Oh, okay. There was 13 women, but some of them were a different serial killer. (laughs) <laughs> going on at the same freaking time. October of 1977. All what? in California? Yeah. What is wrong with California? California, not love. Okay, <laughs> don't sue me. Once Salerno heard the address of on Bianchi's license, he then flew to Bellingham. A detective discovered links between the murdered women and Bianchi. At Mandic and Wilder's house, a note was found to Mandic from Wilder that said Ken Bianchi had telephoned January 9th. It stated, uh, Mandic, I just wrote their last names. I don't know why I didn't do that. Because their first names deserve to be heard, not stupid. Absolutely. Okay, well, that's what I wrote down. Mandic had told friends about the secret house sitting job and had mentioned Bianchi's name. Her car was searched and a piece of paper had. Uh, 334 Bayside, 7pm, Ken on it. Boom! Literally wrote that. Detective Salerno and his partner Dudley Varney (laughs) Dudley. Dudley Varney Not even just Dudley, but Dudley Varney (laughs) And I wrote, that's a name That is a name. That's a Dudley Varney. That's right Dudley Varney What is the show I'm trying to think of? Andy Melanakis? I don't know. (laughs) You just Where did Melanakis come from? Is that a name somewhere? Maybe. Griffith. Andy Griffith. That's Andy right. Griffith. Andy Griffith, the show. <laughs> Dudley Varney. Dudley Varney. <laughs> arrived in Bellingham to see if there's a connection between the murders. Well, he did now. He did I don't now. know why we're Southern, but it's fine. Because Dudley probably In is. L.A. and the girls' murders in Bellingham. Oh, there it is. Bellingham. Bellingham. Down that Varney. <laughs> Police got a search warrant to search Bianchi's house. Tons of jewelry was found that matched the description of jewelry from the victims. Coincidence? I think not. Uh -uh. Uh Uh-uh. On Monday, January 15th, that's two days before my baby's birthday, Bianchi appeared in in Whatcom County Superior Court before Judge Jack Kurtz and was charged with possession of stolen property. That's what they started with. Prosecutor uh, David McEatron. Yep. McEatran. McEatran? Okay. McEatran (laughs) informed the court Bianchi was the prime suspect in a double homicide. I don't know why I ran out of breath. I'm sitting down. You are so excited. I'm excited. But now we have to. Climax. A capital crime carrying the death penalty and asked for a high bail. Judge Kurtz agreed Bianchi was a potential threat to the community and bail was set at $150,000. I wonder what that is now. Maybe we'll we'll look that up when we're taking a break. In the uh, early 80s? 70s? Yep. Late 70s? That's going to be a lot more money now. He was appointed uh, Bellingham lawyer Dean Brett for future proceedings. Evidence was collected from crime scenes. Bodies, the car... 
the car to the FBI lab. I didn't write that right. Collected from crime scenes, bodies, and the car, and was taken to a lab in Washington, D.C. for analysis. Fibers found on Manic and Wilder, as well as found on Bianchi, and it matched the carpet at the Catlow residence, where they had been hired to watch. Bedrooms were meticulously uh, searched. I didn't write that word down because I'm dumb. Bye. And hairs were found belonging to Wilder. And a single pubic hair was found in the basement stairwell along with, stuff. along with pubic hairs on Wilder's, Wilder's body matched Bianchi's and her menstrual blood was present on his underwear. Boom. Alright. Getting ready to bath. get into the next big parts is charges and trial. Stay tuned. This is going to actually conclude our first episode. Sorry, that is kind of a weird spot. But I just wanted to thank everyone for listening. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Bloody Babbles and we are also on Instagram at Bloody Babbles Podcast. I also want to give credit to our introductory YouTube song that we use for our introduction music. It is the Fantastic Fantasy and World Music by the Fighters. The particular episode I used was spooky music and magical music. I wanted to give them credit for their wicked cool uh, video. Let's go check them out on YouTube. They have all sorts of uh, just uh, music they're two brothers that edit and do pretty rad stuff so I was excited to be able to find them and were able to use their sound as always just keep listening and I hope you guys enjoy what you heard um, stay tuned for next week's episode where we will finish up part two of Kenneth Bianchi the Hillside Stranglers as well as Kelly's Down the Rabbit Hole we hope you keep listening and enjoy our bloody babbles. Bye guys.